front of you, and inside, would you please fill out the friendship register? Uh, as we begin the new year, we're asking for people to, again, fill this out. Every week we like at least the name, but we want to make sure all the information is up to date, and especially prayer requests on the backside, praises. We prayed yesterday morning again in men's prayer. We must have, I don't know, four or five, three or four pages of requests, a couple pages of praises, and that just lets us pray for our entire body. So we want you to keep praying for those things. And uh, this week, we keep praying for uh, Arlene Allen, uh, Paul Allen, our missionaries from the Dominican Republic. Uh, good report that the, the uh, donor for the kidney has come through. be meeting this week, and uh, surgery will be right before long. So uh, pray for them, that this is going to go smooth and that, uh, that uh, there will be no rejection, that uh, it'll, just be, it'll just be perfect. And we praise God for what he's doing. Uh, you notice in the bulletin, very top inside, it says, Thank you for your faithfulness. We reached our goal for 2010. And we want to give God praise. Hallelujah. I know uh, when Pastor Darrell came over and said that we needed that much money before we could close the year, uh, I didn't, don't know if I felt a spirit of doubt come over everybody, but uh, there was a spirit of victory, and people began to give and sacrifice. And we just want to thank you that we... Just want to praise the Lord. We were to finish the year with all the bills paid and uh, have enough to get started in this year. You notice the note here. Um, also just set up recently, uh, Pastor Earl set up that we can uh, pay online. If you're not here for service, uh, you can still give through PayPal, as he says it's set up there. Uh, we're going to receive our offering this morning. And I just encourage you, I know we sacrifice at the end of the year, but hey, it's a new year, and we're going to keep uh, right on top of what's happening so that we can uh, give God praise by giving our faithful offerings and tithes unto the Lord. While you're getting your envelopes made out and your friendship register, just mention there's a men's breakfast next Saturday morning. Uh, Pastor Fred, right? What time? 8 o'clock. Come for prayer at 7 o'clock if you want to. Breakfast at 8. Men's breakfast are always a great, great thing. You just... Uh, Men's leadership just wants to stay in touch with everybody before the Wednesday night programs begin again. You see the midweek connection starting toward the end of the month. And uh, Pastor referred last Sunday the active, uh, I love that, active eight. He said uh, active eight message, eight messages. It's going to active eight. And that's really great. Uh, not only are men's meeting for breakfast Saturday morning, but it's this Wednesday night. This Wednesday night. Uh, Chris Owens set up that uh, all the men who want to are going to meet at Olive Garden for dinner about 7 o'clock at night just for a time of fellowship up on Rand Road by uh, North Field, North uh, whatever it is, um, Palatine Road and Rand at 7 o'clock. The Olive Garden got a private room, and we're going to have a fellowship time. You can see the things coming uh, in the future, lifeline screening, sage meeting will be a week from Wednesday, Wings retreat coming in March. In the back side of the lobby, there is just a whole rack of winter coats for children. Uh, if you need one or have a neighbor needs one, it's just to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Uh, help yourself as you stop by there. And the uh, coats are on the rack. Uh, please feel free to take those. Don't take somebody else's leather coat that's hanging up. It's the kids' coats you're supposed to be taking. Ushers, please come forward. I don't say that because I wear a leather coat and I didn't want you taking it. But uh, the kids' coats are free, and spread them around so that we can bless people, because it's cold out there. You need a good coat today. We're going to ask God to bless this offering as you've prepared your tithes. It's a new year. 
new day. But I really thank God that he is able to do it. Rex Russell, would you lift your voice? Begin to pray that God's going to bless as we give today and throughout this year. Everybody said amen? Great. Special number by Rebecca and Jonathan.
That's a powerful song, isn't it? And I believe God is speaking something to us in our songs today about how great He is. And we're going to spend time worshiping Him at the end of the service. I'm going to ask Jonathan and Rebecca to not go too far so that we can sing that together at the end. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to ask you to bow your hearts and your heads with me and repeat this prayer. Holy Spirit, I am ready to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Get your Bibles out, your sermon notes. We're going to dive in to God's Word this morning. I'm excited about what He has for us, and I am excited about what He's doing. We had an awesome prayer night here on Wednesday night, and then out west on Thursday night, and as we seek the Lord, and our Activate is coming up on Wednesday nights at the end of January. God is up to something good in our place. We're in a sermon series called The Story Of, as we begin a new year, and Pastor Merrill did a great job last week, didn't he? It was his 35th anniversary in our pulpit, and he preached the same scripture that he preached when he was here that Sunday 35 years ago. Isn't it amazing how God's Word is just all the time good? I mean, it doesn't just work 35 years ago, it works today, that God has something for us today. As we look back, we can say, wow, God, you've done so much in 35 years. God, you've taken that pen, and you've taken that piece of paper, and you began to write the story of Christian life, and wow, look at where we're at today. But what's the story that God's writing in our life right now? What's the story of right now? And it's more than just a pastor or a group of pastors or leadership or a small group that have always been a part of our church or anything. It's not about that. It's about all of our stories coming together. That God has brought us all together in this place and God has taken a pen and a piece of paper and written the story of our life. And it's not just about a chosen few. It's about all of us bringing our stories together into a bigger story that he's telling through our church. It's about all of us coming together and being a part of his story. So I want to talk about the story of your life today. I want to talk about what God is writing in you. And when you think of a book or you think of a story, you have to first go to an author. There's always an author to every story. And I want to ask you today, very seriously, who is your author? And if you begin, you might say, well, God's my author. He gave gave me life. He gave me breath. He is 
he's the one that's writing the story of my life. Look, I'm in church on Sunday morning. I, I follow him. God's writing the story of my life. But is he? Because sometimes we like to take the pen out of God's hand and begin to write our own story. We say, God, I'll follow you as long as I like what your will for my life is. But as soon as I don't like it, God, I'm going to take the pen and I'm going to begin to write. Or as long as I'm comfortable, God, as long as I'm happy, I, as, as long as I'm not alone, as long as I'm okay, God, as long as it meets my expectations, you fill in the blank, then I'll follow you. But when it doesn't, I'm going to take the pen and I'm going to begin to write the story of my life. And I'm going to tell you today, just listen to me seriously, you can't do that. Tim Keller, who did our uh, DVD presentation on the prodigal son a number of weeks back, said this, it takes a lot of pride to be anxious. I'm not wise enough to know how my life should go. Listen to me. You're not wise enough to know how your life should go. You should never reach for that pen and begin to write. I'm going to tell you today, whether it be our church or your life, listen to me. Your life is meant for the glory of God. It is not meant for you to be selfish and do whatever you want. Our church isn't just so we're comfortable and we can do what we want to as a church. No, we are meant for the glory of God. Your story of your life is not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. It says in the Message Bible in 1 Corinthians 12.8, I love this. Each of us is given something to do that shows who God is. Each of us is given something that we can do to show God. It's not about us. It's not for our glory and our fame. It's about Jesus. When I think of the church, that is so clear. The church is Jesus' church. Matthew chapter 16. He's introducing his disciples to the idea, the concept of the church. Before it's birthed in Acts chapter 2, he wants to tell them what the church is like. And so he says, I, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He says, Peter, and Peter's name means rock, you are the rock, and on this rock I'll build my church. And Peter was a great, great apostle. I mean, not so good at a disciple, but he was a great apostle. And God wrote a beautiful story of his life, but is the church built on Peter? No, Jesus said these five words, I will build my church. It's Jesus' church. And when you look in the New Testament, Peter is not known as the rock. Jesus is the rock. He's the rock on which we built our life. Everything else is sand. We build our life on the rock. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the rock of our salvation. Did God write a beautiful story through Peter's life, through Paul's life, through the apostles' life? Yes, but it's all about Jesus. It's for His glory. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Is that because Peter was so strong? Ha! No! Is it because we're so strong as a church today and look at all the people who are here? And what, you know, we're so strong. No! We're strong and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. Why? Because he has victory over the enemy. So whatever the enemy comes against us with, whatever he unleashes us, God's already won the victory. It's not about us and how strong we are. It's about him. The church is about him. It goes on to, to talk about it in verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I love that picture, the idea that God gives us the keys of the kingdom. Here you go. I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. These keys open any building, or any door in this building. And you can get in anywhere. If I hand you these keys, I'm saying you can go ahead and you can go. I'm giving you access to anywhere in this building. To get in, to get out, to any door. 
I've given you the access, but I haven't just given you the access if I hand you my keys. I've also given you the authority. I've said, you can go. If I give these to you, I'm not, you're not sneaking in somewhere. You can go in with authority because I've handed you the keys of the kingdom. We don't have authority because, again, we're so smart or we're so strong. No, because Jesus said, you have the authority. I've given that to you. I am permitting you to do whatever you need to do to proclaim my kingdom in this world, to live the life, the story of your life. I'm giving that to you. It's not about us. It's about Him saying, this is what I want for you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what do we preach? It says we can say, again, it's not the binding and loosing Ephesians 6 with the principalities and powers. That's spiritual warfare. That's something else. This is the rabbis binding and loosing. The rabbis would say you can do this and you can't do that. And this is what you should do. This is what you should not do. And they would teach that. And that's what we do in church. We open up God's Word. And we say this is what we're to do. This is how we're to live. This is how we're not to live. And there's power and there's authority when we do that. Is it because we're so smart and we're making up such good sermons and we're saying, yeah, well, this is a good thing to do, this is a bad thing to do? No, it's because His Word has power. That's what the binding and loosing has power because it's about Him. It's not about my mind and my knowledge. It's about His knowledge coming through. See, it's not about you and me. It's about Him. The church is all about Him. But it's not just the church. It's our lives as well. We could say, well, of course the church is Jesus. As it says, it's His church. We're, we're the church of Christ. You know, we, we believe that, that He is coming again for His bride. You know, we're, we're His church. I get that. But what about our lives? I want to read in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. It says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to study, excuse me, to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to tick, trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We each have a part in the body of Christ. It begins with the leadership or the office gifts, which one is pastor, and that's what I'm doing now. But my job is to equip you to build up the church. Equip you to do your work. Equip you so that you can make us full of love, full of strength, full of unity. See, the job of the pastor, and I share this with the staff at our staff retreat, is not to do all the ministry but to equip us to do ministry. And we've got to get that mindset that we would see the church built up. That when you come to church, listen to me, on a Sunday, Saturday, Wednesday, whenever you come, you are growing in the Lord. That you are growing in your knowledge of Him. That you're growing in unity with your brothers and sisters in Christ. That you are growing in your maturity. This is really important. Now listen to me. When a software comes out, it comes out in a version of 1.0. But then there's upgrades that happen, and then it moves to 2.0, and 3.0, and so forth and so on. And when we come to church or in the body of Christ, God wants to do an upgrade in your life. He doesn't want you to stay the same. 
He wants you to move to a new version of you. From 1.0 to 2.0 to 3.0 and on and on. He wants to mature you so that you can be doing what you've been called to do. When you look at our, our symbols up here, we go from seeds that are planted, then we start growing into a plant, and then into a full tree. There should be maturity in our life when we're sitting here every weekend and we're growing in God. In a brand new year, we need to commit ourselves to maturity and growth. Every member doing their special work, every member allowing the, the author of their life to write the story of their life. And I told this to our staff, is that great ministries build a great church. That's, that's a no-brainer. But I'm not interested in, in getting more ministries, increasing the number of ministries. I believe our calling as a church is to increase the number of ministers, not ministries. And when more people are doing their minister and they're ministering, then we're going to see great ministry happen. When everybody's doing what God has called them to do, there's no telling what's going to happen in the body of Christ. There's no telling what will happen in our world. And so I want to declare this today as we begin a new year. I have a new mindset as pastor. That when I preach on the weekends, I'm not here to minister to you. That when Jonathan or Leanne lead worship on the weekend, we're not doing that for you. We're doing it for the Lord. Now listen what's going to happen. Now when I preach, I want you to get ministered to, and you will get ministered to. I get ministered to. I, I, like, I like being in the Word. That's a good thing. But I'm not interested in ministering to your heart. I'm interested in turning you into a minister. I'm interested in you growing up and maturing and moving from 1.0 to 2.0 and so forth and so on. So when you come to church, come with the attitude, I'm going to grow today. I'm going to be developed into a minister. It's not just about me and being blessed and feeling good when I leave and wasn't the worship awesome. No, God did something in my life. He's changing me. He's calling me. He's speaking to me to be the man or woman of God that I'm called to be, that I will be a minister. And then there's no telling what's going to happen when we walk outside these doors. When we walk out as ministers, not just minister too, but as ministers. First Peter 2.5 says this, You are like living stones. They're being built up into a spiritual house to be the holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is a verse that, that has the great thought in theology of being the priesthood of all believers. This idea that we're all priests. That we're all priests. Now, in an Old Testament priest, you had to be born into the right family. Not only did you have to be born in the right family, then you had to do the work of the priest and offer sacrifices. Well, you can say, well, is that me? Yes, it is, because you've been born into the family of God. He's placed you into his family. What, how do we offer sacrifices today? Romans 12.1. Offer yourself as living sacrifices. Say, God, I'm putting myself on the altar for you. I'm offering myself as a sacrifice to you. God, you can use me any way you want. And when we get to this point in the message and we hear this, it's all about God, it's not about us. We've got to keep the pen in God's hand and let Him to write. And, and you're called to be a minister and you're called to, you know, you've got a gifting in your life and there's no telling what your story can do. And a lot of people begin to say, Daryl, I get it for you as a pastor. I get it for a missionary. I, I get it for Peter or Paul. I get that, but, but me? When you begin to talk about this access and authority and overcoming and and this, this ministering and all, are you really talking about me? I want to look at everybody today. I want to say, I don't care who you are, how young, how old. I don't care the color of your skin. I don't care any. I mean you. 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 Men, women, you. You guys are called to be ministers. You can say, how? I'm not worthy. Right? Okay. My life's a mess. 
Okay. Here's the thing, and listen to me very carefully. You can say, how can it be me? If you really knew what happened in my house this week, or how I lost it this week, or fill in the blank. Listen to me. How do I know that it can be you? It's because you are not the author. You're not the author. God's the author. And he can take the biggest messes of our life and turn them around. He can take the biggest problems, the biggest things where we took the pen and we started writing and we, man, and it's like, and it's pen and I can't erase it. Don't worry. You're not the author. God can take that pen and he can change that story. No matter how messed it up, how messed up it is, no matter, no matter what you've done, God can change the story for his glory. I want to tell you, it's not about you. It's not about you. You're not holy because you're good. You're not called because you've done something right. You know, all, the, all the, the things in the tabernacle, all those pieces of furniture, they're not holy in and of themselves. You know why they're holy? Because God said they're holy. You are holy because God says you're holy. God says, I'm going to use you because I can use you. I can do all things. I mean, so we've got to get it in our mind. It's not about us. It's about God. It's not about what somebody else did. It's about God. It's not about the mess you're in. It's about God. He is the author. We've got to get that in our hearts and minds. In 1 Corinthians 6.11, it says this, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. You have been washed. You have been sanctified. You've been justified by the Lord. He's called you. He wants to do something great with your life. It might be to run a ministry that touches thousands of people. It may be just to reach out to one person. I don't know, but God's got something for you to do that only you can do if you hand him the pen and say, be the author of my life. And a lot of times we think, well, what am I really doing? I mean, honestly, what, what could I do? I don't feel like I'm doing anything for God. I met a couple like that the other week. I was um, in Iowa. We were there for just a short time in between Christmas and New Year's. Took Matthew and Mark with me, just having a good time. In the town diner, and we were talking about churches in the town. There was one church that's really growing, and God's blessing. And, and we're talking about a town just a few hundred people, not even a thousand people. I mean, a small town in Iowa. And this pastor, who was a farmer, became a pastor. And uh, they almost have 200 people in their church. Okay, so if we can, like, percentage-wise that, that'd be like having a a church of over 10,000 people in Mount Prospect. Okay, I mean, that's how big this church is in that town. It is a big church. And so uh, I don't really know the pastor that well, but I know of him, and I met him, and, and so I kind of know him. And so they said, why don't you stop by? I'd like to see you. So the next day, I went with the boys, and we stopped by, and we're, we're seeing the tour of their new facility. It's unbelievable. They're taking this uh, retirement center, and they're turning it into a church. It's, it's wild. They can't fit another seat in that, in that common area, and just, you know, all these people are being ministered, and there's outreach to youth and to young people and to people in need. And so, I mean, it's unbelievable what they're doing. So we're talking, and then the talk goes to my grandparents, who were part of that town, and, and just a great man and woman of faith, and really touched a lot of lives. And then to, to his parents, who were about the same age, and, and just, again, just talking about all these things and how great our, our grandparents were. And they were great. I mean, man, I'm telling you, I just thank God for my grandparents. But then the pastor's wife said this to me, I just wish we could do something great for God, too. And I'm standing, looking around. You can't fit another seat in this place. 
People are breaking the doors down. They're changing their city. And I'm like, you wish you could do something for God? Hello? You are changing your world. And a lot of us feel that way. It's like, I wish I could do something for God. Look at the children in your life or the grandchildren. Look at the people. I mean, there's no telling what you're doing right now. But there's even more. There's even more. See, God can use anybody. He can use a farmer that never went to Bible college. It doesn't even, he's like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And, and, but God can use him. God can use you. And sometimes we hear a message like this and we get scared. It's like, this is too big. I don't know. I mean, you don't know what kind of mess. You don't know. Pastor Earl, you don't know what I've done. And you don't, it, it, I don't know. I, I, and I get scared when I think about doing something more for God or something bigger or him having that pen in my life. You know, it, I get really scared. And, and if I could be just honest for a moment, I get scared too. As pastor of our church, when I think about what God wants us to do in the coming years, I get scared too. God, how are you going to do that? Where's that money going to come from? What are you going to, God, you know, I don't know if I'm the, I'm, I, you know me, God, I don't know. And God's chosen our church and me as pastor to, to, to kind of help with, with a, a kind of a 10-state region of the fellowship of our churches. And I'm going to be going this week down to a thing to represent them and, and some young ministers and other things. And it's like, God's blessed us with, with influence everywhere. It's like, God, I, I'm scared. I'm not good. I don't, I don't know if I can do this, God. This is too big. I know, God, you can do it. I know Peter and Paul can do it. I don't know if I can do this. And um, let me just share a story with you from that time in Iowa. I took Matthew and Mark, and um, one night we're getting ready for bed, and I don't know what was happening here, but, but there it was kind of that in-between time, and I don't know if you had it these days here, but it, it, for like two days it turned to like 60 degrees, and it was just weird. It went from being freezing cold, snow sledding, to it's spring. You know, it just went like that in one day, and, and so it's kind of some weird weather going on outside, and uh, and some lightning started happening. Now, I didn't notice because we were in the house and lights were on. I didn't know this, but they're getting ready for bed. And little Mark, or little Mark, there's a picture of Mark on the screen. And um, little Mark kept going by the front door window and pulling up the blind and looking out. And he'd run and start getting ready for bed. And he'd go back and forth. I was getting a little aggravated with him. I was like, just get ready for bed. And he just kept going back and forth. And he comes up to me. He goes, Dad, there's lightning outside. And I'm like, oh, boy. He's not going to want to go to bed. He's scared of lightning. I know there's nothing to be scared of, but when you're that age, it's a big deal. And so, Dad, there's lightning outside. So I thought about it for a minute, and, and um, we sleep upstairs in this little room when it's just me and the boys. I just, we just all hunker down in the same room. We all get in just two beds in the room. We all get in the beds. And, and, um, and so I said, uh, Mark, who are you sleeping next to tonight? And uh, he looked at me. He smiled real big. He put his little fist out for a fist bump. That's what he did. <laughs> Didn't hear another word about it. And as soon as his head hit the pillow, he was gone. He wasn't scared with the light. Why? Because daddy was there. So we got to realize is we might be scared. It might be too big for us. But you know what? God's with us. God's with me this morning, this week. God's with you. And, and we've got to get that perspective that it's not about us. Don't get so into yourself. Well, I can't handle it. I, can't. I know. Neither can I. But God can. God can. So we've got to get our eyes off of ourselves, off of our crisis, off of our mess. 
mess, you know, if you knew what was going on in my marriage, if you knew what was going on with my kids, if you knew what was going on at work or at school, I don't know, but I know the author. And I also know something about stories. I love a good story. And sometimes the best stories are the worst stories. The stories were something, there's such a big crisis. And it's like, how are, how are they ever going to get out of that? And then something happens in the story. And you almost don't want the book to end because it's so cool how they're rescued, how they're saved. All the great books, all the great movies, all they tell the story. And the bigger the crisis, the better the story. So I want to tell you today, if you're sitting in a mess, if you're sitting in a crisis, give God the pen. Let him be the author. And you're going to see a great story, a great ending. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? It is not about you. He is the author. And when we come to church, he wants to do something in our life. So how do we allow God to speak to us, to move in our lives? Really, the only way is to surrender to him in worship and prayer. Wait on the Lord this morning for a while. Purposely tried to to watch the clock so that we just have a few minutes here at the end so we wouldn't have to be in a hurry. So I want anybody leaving or getting up. This is just our time with God. And I want to allow Jonathan and Rebecca to sing that song again, Your Great Name. As they sing, this is just your quiet time with the Lord. We'll sing along with them later, but right now it's just your time with the Lord. And I want you just to spend some time with the Lord here at the first part of the year saying, Lord, take the pen, be the author, tell the story of my life. Just worship the Lord together. Wait on Him.
today as we pray and, and um, you don't have to or if you can't I understand um, but if you want to today I ask you to do something we don't normally do and don't normally do in our culture and I'm just going to ask you to kneel and surrender to the Lord today as author of your life just there in your pew just slip to your knees if you want to And I'm going to pray, but, but uh, feel free to pray from your heart at this time. To surrender your life, to, to hand the pen over to God. To allow Him to write the story of your life. Lord, today as we kneel, it represents our heart before You. that it's not about us and how comfortable we are or the expectations we have for our life or that we'll follow you if we like it. But Lord, as we kneel, we are saying, Lord, take the pen, take the paper and write the story of our life. And whether we understand or don't, God, we'll just follow you We'll follow your word. God will follow your will. God will do that because we realize that um, the true power and true strength and true joy is not found in our own journey, but in your word and in what you have for our lives. True strength is found in you. So we surrender to you. God, we could never accomplish it on our own. So, Lord, we surrender to you today. Lord, I just pray as we're on our knees for those who find themselves in a marriage that's a mess, with kids that are a mess, 
with school or work that's a mess, with a family situation that's a mess. Lord, we know that God, when we put our hope in you, God, you can turn things around. God, you can heal and provide and work and make new. And Lord, you can turn the hearts of people. So we surrender to you, Jesus. And we're going to stop striving or stop trying to write our own story or try to start writing their story. God, we're going to allow you to come in and write your story through your word. God, we're going to follow you. We're going to follow your way. We surrender to you today in this act. That when we come to church, it isn't just to be ministered to because it's not about us. We're going to come and we're going to allow you to make us into something new. We're going to allow you to mature us and grow us. And Lord, we just surrender to you, to your great name, to your work, to your will. And God, we'll stop complaining and Lord, we'll start worshiping. So Lord, take that pen and take that paper and write the story of our life. Continue your good work, Lord, as we stand and worship you. Would you stand to your feet and let's just worship the Lord as Jonathan Brecco lead us this morning. Let's just sing it together one more time. Sing Jesus. Jesus, worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us. The Son of God and man, you are high lifted up. And all the world will praise your great Jesus, worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us. The Son of God and man, you are high and 
And all the world will praise your great name. Your great name. take my shoes off up here. It's like holy ground. It's like holy ground. It doesn't take much to recognize that this is a God moment. This is a holy moment. 
Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. In this place, just spontaneously, God, we are surrendering to You. God, it's not about us anymore. God, we have no idea what the next 35 years hold or until you come back. We have no idea, God. But we do know that you will be writing the story of our church, of our lives, of our family. So, Lord, we stop striving. We stop writing. We place the pen down on the altar. I believe the Lord would say, remember this moment. Remember this moment where you laid down the pen. When you get tempted to pick it back up, remember the time that you bowed your knee and you laid down that pen. Hallelujah, God. I just thank you for what you're doing. Hallelujah. In this holy moment, God. We just wait on you, Lord. We wait on you, God. We wait on you, Lord. God, I thank you that you're doing something great in our lives. You're changing us, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's power is here. His power was here on, on, uh, on Wednesday night in a, in, a, in, a, in a big way. I don't know. I just I feel like we're at the point where we can believe God for anything. You know, we're at, we're at a point where we're like, we're really getting a picture of who He is. And um, man, that's a good place to be. It's a good place to be. So I want to allow the Lord just to minister, and, and so I'm just going to ask Jonathan and Rebecca to play quietly and, and um, just continue the, in the presence of the Lord. But I, I, I've got to share this, and, and I normally don't ever uh, call for um, prayer and fasting, but I'm going to call for this week to be a week of prayer and fasting. God's blessed us in amazing ways. He's answered our prayers. He's provided um, miracle after miracle. God is good. But there are some people that ju- we have got to get down in the trenches for them. Uh, I, these are graduates of our college who have been talking to pastors that there was no provision at the end of the year. And... Um, uh, some are about to lose their homes and their churches because there's no money. And we need to pray and fast and believe for breakthrough. Got a call from uh, Kim Heckman yesterday. And Garth is not doing well. She was very scared yesterday. And um, God already healed him from cancer once. He's going to do it again. But I don't know what else to do but to fast and pray. We just have to cry out to God. There's no other hope. Uh, this week, uh, we're praying for Eileen, that this is the week. This is the week. And so we need to be prayer and fasting for a, for a new kidney, new kidney transplant. We're just going to believe God. I'm, I'm hearing stories of other people in our congregation. I just, and you don't have to. This is not a have to kind of thing, but will you give up a meal or give up a day of food or something. Will you pray and fast this week for breakthrough in some of these things? Just raise your hand if you promise. And you don't have to if you don't want to, but I just want to say, if you'll give up a meal or give up a day of food. I'm not talking about giving up TV. I'm talking about food, where you take that time and you're hungry in your stomach and you're crying out to God and you're saying, God, heal and God, save and God, provide. I'm just, just crying out for people. 
And I do want to tell you this. So thank you for covenanting with me to pray and fast. But we're going to covenant as a church because God blessed us as a church. And so I want to tell you today that we are going to be a blessing to churches in need. So God's allowed us to have enough money come in that we're going to pay some of those bills for other churches. So God, we're not keeping it for ourselves. We're going to pay, um, and we're not going to store it in a bank account. So um, your provision is for others as well. And um, we're also helping to support Garth because he's in a church plant situation. He can't travel and speak or anything, and his family needs money. So we're helping him too. So we are uh, we're going to be generous as we reach out because that's what God calls us to be. And he didn't bless us so that we can have big numbers. He blessed us so we can be a blessing. And that's what he's going to do in your life. He's going to bless you to be a blessing. And he's going to write a beautiful story with your life. So if you want to spend a little more time with the Lord, you can do that. But if you need to go, receive that blessing from the Lord. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for what you've done this morning. You've done something by your spirit that is much bigger than we could have ever imagined. God, you changed our life today. You took us from 1.0 to 2.0 today. You took the pen and you began to write a new story, a fresh chapter. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we leave this place, we leave as new people to minister for you in our world, in our homes. God, that we wouldn't grow discouraged as we leave this place, but that we would go in your strength, in your power, in your joy, in your peace, not striving anymore, not wondering what's the next sentence we're going to write, but saying, God, what do you want to do? We're wide open. God, I thank you that you have blessed us. And God, may we be a blessing to others. May that be true, not only of our church, but each one of us. Keep us safe and strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. We love you, God. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you want to just stay for a while in the presence of the Lord, which I encourage you to do, you can do that. If you need special prayer, I'll be down front. Um, If you just want to spend some time around the altar, you can do that as well. But God bless you.